Look at the weather. It's beautiful here. Non-stop rain. Oh, man, it is a blazer out there. It's cold and it's shivery. It is cold. Really coming down here. I really enjoy your weather reports. From the All Indiana Podcast Network. We're talking weather in a whole new way. From historical events to what's coming up. Plus, weather news, science, safety, fun facts, and more. I like where this is going. This is Weather Weekly. Weather Weekly with Wish TV Storm Track 8 meteorologist Marcus Bailey. It is episode number 37 of Weather Weekly. Good to have you along. I'm meteorologist Marcus Bailey from Wish TV in Indianapolis. As we are on this last week of... October starting to feel a little bit like that too um, and we'll talk about the forecast here coming up at the end of the podcast but finally starting to see some temperatures cooling especially in the overnights and so I noticed a little bit uh, I was uh, out of town over the weekend actually went down to Nashville Tennessee and uh, noticed a little bit of color I mean it's still really late and we talked about that a couple weeks ago the fall foliage uh, why it's been so delayed but I think now that we're getting some colder weather in here that um, we are starting to see the change taking place you knew it was going to happen the days are getting shorter and, and so we're starting to see some color pop and we're hopeful as long as we don't get any really windy conditions here coming up that um, those leaves are going to hold a little bit and uh, we should see some really 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 vibrant colors here uh, since we've been so so wet um, here especially as of late which that kind of leads us into the weather headlines here for this uh this last week of October, I want to begin locally here with just the immense amount of rain that we've had here to open up the week. Uh, started on Sunday and carried over into Monday, early Monday morning, and we picked up well over two inches of rainfall in a lot of spots. Some areas saw three inches of rain. Yeah, it was a it was a soaker. Um, some really steady and at times heavy downpours uh, across our area. It's interesting to note too. Now, as of we're recording this on Monday uh, morning, so on the uh, the 25th of October, I know this will drop on the 27th, um, but uh, as we're recording this, and we may tack on a little bit more, but I don't think a whole lot more. Um, when I left work, it was 6.81 inches of rainfall for the entire month of October, which is good for the sixth wettest on record. Um, there are a couple of spots that are within reach that we could crack into at least the top five. I believe we have to get to kind of like 7.04, um, to get into the top five, to get into the top three. Uh, I think we need to be at around seven and a quarter or pretty close to that. So definitely within reach, we do have some rain chances later on into the week. Um, so you pick up a pick quick quarter to half an inch of rainfall and right there i don't think unless we just get some crazy crazy rain we'd need probably another inch and a half to two inches of rainfall um to get into the top spot so i don't think that that is uh, within reach it's actually closer to nine inches of rainfall um for the wettest october on record so but it does go show how unusually wet um this this October has been and and those of you you know you know you've been paying attention um, because we've been so warm I mean we're mowing the grasses I made the joke uh, on Friday I went golfing with some buddies and um, uh, I made the joke that the grass was greener here in late October than it was in April um, just a lot of the golf courses are just an immense sh spectacular shape um, 
usually this time of year they start kind of drying out a little bit and they're kind of beat up from you know a full season of of uh, golf but no they're they're in wonderful shape here and hopefully that will lead into a, a really really good start uh to the season and uh, the spring hey who knows maybe we can sneak in a little bit of golf during the winter months too if we can get some mild days ahead of us uh so locally that's kind of the big story obviously the other the big story here and I, and this is what's going to be the body of um the uh, podcast for today i want to get into kind of these buzzwords that we that um You've probably been hearing about the bomb cyclone and the uh, atmospheric river. Um, And it did cause some problems out in California. Now, it did help to end some of the wildfires or at least aid in kind of containing a lot of the wildfires that have been taking place out in California. But a lot of areas like Sacramento and um, San Francisco had daily rainfall records broken. Some areas picked up over five or six inches of rainfall. Um, And as they go into Monday, some of these areas have picked up a month's worth of precip in about a 24-hour stretch. So it has caused some problems. You think of the... um, the wildfires that have been going, it's, everything's burned up, and now you've got this immense amount of rain. Mudslides is going to be the, the, the big concern. Obviously, you're going to have some flooding, too, but mudslides are going to be uh, a big, big concern uh, with that because of all the rain, and then you've got the wildfires and, and everything like that. So um, it's kind of a good news catch-22 a little bit out there. You know, it's good helping contain some of those fires bad because it's going to create some big problems and then on top of that they're getting like 40 to 60 mile per hour winds because it wasn't just a lot of rain that came in it was it was also some pretty gusty winds a pretty wound up system so we're going to talk more about kind of the what um because it was there was there was the two terms the bomb cyclone the atmospheric river and it was a combination of two things that made this kind of a unique event that we'll talk about it's not a rare event um it is sometimes rare when you get both of them combined but um obviously it got a lot of buzz especially if you're listening to us and you're from the indy area and you're a colts fan because the colts played out in uh, santa clara san francisco area and played the 49ers on sunday night football and and that was a big storyline and if you watch that game it was miserable right so we'll talk a little bit more about that otherwise the other big story here was the um, severe weather that took place um, in um, the plains or the eastern plains, the western Midwest, kind of depending on where you look at it here. There's a couple tornadoes that were confirmed um, in uh, Missouri and Illinois. Um, fortunately, it didn't look like there was any injuries or fatalities recorded with that. But this was the same system that brought us a lot of rain here in central Indiana early Monday morning. Kind of came in a couple of ways. We had the steady rain on Sunday, and then the cold front actually moved through early Monday morning. And luckily, the timing kind of worked out that it moved through uh, basically between around 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. And so the storms really lost a lot of their luster. There was a lot of thunder. There was a lot of lightning. There were some gustier winds, but they were well below severe limits. So we didn't actually have any severe thunderstorm warnings uh, or anything worse than that uh, out of that cold front uh, moving on through. 
Tropics remain to be uh, fairly quiet here, and we're kind of getting on the tail end of hurricane season that will end in November. We really haven't anything had anything significant as of late, and as I'm looking right now, there's no anticipated tropical cyclone development in the next 48 hours in the Atlantic. Uh, we do have Hurricane Rick right now in the eastern Pacific. It has made landfall uh, in western Mexico, west central Mexico. And um, doesn't look like it's going to play a, a, a big role in the uh, the outlook across the lower 48 states as of right now. It's very slowly going to move through the central portions of um, Mexico here. So heavy rain is what's going to be kind of the main concern. They obviously have some pretty strong winds that are uh, dialed in with uh, Rick as of right now. Um, as time of recording this, it's got 70 mile or 70 knot winds, I should say, 80 mile per hour sustained winds. So that's a pretty strong hurricane there. Um, but it's only moving north at about nine miles per hour. Central Pacific, nothing to uh, out toward the Hawaiian Islands, so we're in good shape there. Um, so again, we're, we're kind of quieting things down here uh, over the Atlantic, which is what we'd like to see here. And hopefully we can stay quiet as we get kind of on the tail end of tropical development season. All right, quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about those buzzwords. We're going to piggyback off of kind of things that you've been probably picking up on uh, that storm that hit out west, the bomb cyclone, the atmospheric river. What are those? How unique are those? Um, and can we see those kind of things here in the Midwest, specifically in central Indiana? We'll talk more about that next here on Weather Weekly. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, episode number 37 here, and I, I was kind of debating on which direction I wanted to go with this week's podcast. And then <laughs> this weekend happened and we got the, uh, these buzz terms that kind of uh, went out and, and you know, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know, I like to tie indie sports in with weather. And so Colts were playing out in San Francisco, Sunday night football, big game. They got a great win. Um, and, uh, the big story uh, with that, and uh, Charlie Clifford was out there, our sports reporter, does a great job. Um, and one of the first tweets he had, and, and he talked about the, the crazy weather that they were going to be dealing with uh, going into that game. Um, I also talked to my boss um, 
uh, Al Carl is our news director here at Wish TV, big into like fitness things and stuff like that. And um, he pays attention. He's got a close group of friends that uh, that jump in and do the um, the Ironman. And then they, they have those kind of sporadic all over the country. Um, but they had this past weekend an Ironman in San Francisco. And for those of you that aren't aware of this, um, Ironman is not cheap to compete in. Not only is it extremely grueling and difficult on the body, uh, but it is super expensive to actually to compete in um, those day long races. Not to mention, you know, the travel because they're not in every city. Um, we had one not that long ago that was up in uh, Muncie, Indiana. Uh, but a lot of times, I mean, this was the first one they've had in Indiana, and maybe ever, but certainly in a long time. Um, a lot of these people have to bounce around. And um, there was somebody that actually trekked across the country by car, one of my, my boss's friends by car, and went out to San Francisco to drive only to find out the day of the race that they were canceling it. Um, so, uh, but that's, that's kind of impacted that, that, that system had. So what am I talking about? If you, if you, if you, don't know what I'm talking about. There were two terms that were very buzzworthy. Um, and I kind of make fun of news departments, especially the national news, because they jump on these buzzwords that have been around forever. Um, I think back to polar vortex. If we all remember that, that was a big thing back in the early 2000s, um, where we had that one brutal winter where we just had an immense amount of snow and just ridiculous cold to follow. And that was the word that was the polar vortex. The polar vortex is not a new thing. It is. It's always been there. It will always be there. Um, but it, it was something that I think the national media kind of latched onto, saw that, you know, the weather service had, you know, dubbed that this was going to be a kind of a polar vortex event. And the national media just ran with it. And we know, especially with social media and how it goes, the buzzwords are what, you know, kind of drives traffic on social media. It gets the likes, it gets the shares, and it drives people to websites. Okay, so it's a little inside baseball. It's not inaccurate at, at all, but I think that there's there's a lack of context when you get to the that kind of situation where you're using the buzzwords. Um, people think of it like a hurricane, you know what I mean? Or like it's an extremely rare event. So the same thing kind of happened here this past weekend on the West Coast. And it was two separate uh, buzzwords, but all referring to the same system. You heard bomb cyclone, which we've heard uh, several times. Um, but the first time I've heard the national media kind of jump on board with this one was atmospheric river. OK, so you had kind of the combination of both of those. It all came out of the same system. So first, let's talk about what an atmospheric river is. And it's, it's kind of what you would think if you're thinking and you and you have to think of the atmosphere three dimensionally. Right. Because it's not just what's happening at the surface. So this isn't just it's not a legit river that's pumping in a lot of moisture here. It is something that's happening in the atmosphere and is pulling in all of this moisture. OK, you can easily see this on water vapor imagery. Yeah, and if I've lost you here, there's there's 
there's different kinds of imagery that we show. Uh, we refer to it as satellite, right? And, and it's typically when we're showing cloud cover. But there's different forms that you look at the satellites um, depending on what you're wanting to achieve in telling the story. Um, a visible satellite is basically, it's a camera, okay? So it gives you kind of a higher resolution, but the problem is you can only use it during the daytime hours. Once it's dark, you don't see the clouds. So then we flip over to infrared or IR um, imagery, you know, when we are in nighttime events. Um, you can also pick up some of the water vapor and, and, and such with the IR. Um, you know, for me as a morning meteorologist, because I spend a lot of the hours you know, talking when it's dark out, I don't get a chance to use visible satellite imagery very often, especially this time of year because your nights are so much longer. Um, so you're usually stuck using the infrared. Then the other channel is water vapor. Those are kind of the three main ones. There's several other different ones that you can use, especially with the new ghost satellites. Um, but water vapor is another one. And water vapor kind of works as it like infrared. You can use it any time of day. Um, but it will show you the moisture or the lack thereof, depending on the color table that you use, um, in the atmosphere. And so when you were watching, um, if you're kind of a, a weather nerd and you jump on to uh, look at water vapor in this instance, um, you saw kind of this big spiral, right? Uh, spinning system that was approaching the West Coast. And then it had a long trail on it that fed out way out into the Pacific Ocean. So this is your atmospheric river. Okay. So basically what it was is you had this storm system, which ended up being a bomb cyclone, which I'll talk next about, but you have a storm complex. It has to be attached to something and then it is getting fed all of this moisture. So where was that moisture coming from? It was coming from the Pacific Ocean. Um, and so that is where atmospheric river comes from because it was a river essentially of moisture that is now getting fed into the storm system that then was in turn dumping the rain and in some higher elevation snow um, along the Pacific coast, specifically into California, but also into Oregon, Washington as well. And it's now sneaking into parts of Nevada and in a lot of the Rockies and all that other stuff. So they're going to be dealing with some of the rain and snow um, there. So a term that we always used in um, in our meteorology classes with, with uh, Dr. Arnold was, especially for these West Coast systems specifically, we'd call it the Pineapple Express. The reason why we called it the Pineapple Express is because you would see this big spiraling of this area of low pressure, and then you'd see that connected river, basically, that would extend for hundreds of miles to the south and west, and it would usually go back to just east of Hawaii. What's Hawaii known for? Pineapples. So it was the Pineapple Express where you'd get this, you know, moisture that's getting fed into this system. So um, now what's interesting and what was a little bit um, different than, than other times, a lot of times these systems and probably why the, the, this term uh, atmospheric river um, became so buzzworthy is because it was connected to a bomb cyclone. Usually, these storm complexes are relatively weak. 
Okay. Now they can dump an immense amount of rain. Um, and we saw that in California. We talked about in the headlines. They got a month's worth of rain in, in a 24 hour stretch. Um, the other problem with these kind of systems is they usually aren't very fast moving. So not only does it contain a lot of water, but it's not moving very quickly. And so that's where you get um, get the problems. But it's also beneficial. And again, we talked about this is wildfire season for, you know, the West Coast. And up until this point, they've had little to no help um, from Mother Nature in helping to fight those fires. Um, if you look at the drought monitor, and you can check that if you just Google search drought monitor, it'll take you to the Climate Prediction Center's uh, drought monitor page. Um, you will see that the western half of the country, but specifically those states along the west coast where they've been dealing with wildfires are in an extremely um, dry period. They're, they're in an extreme drought. And so you need something like this to kind of help bust that up, Right. We talk all the time about how droughts kind of feed on themselves. Well, you need a system like this. It's almost like a pseudo hurricane. It wasn't in that magnitude. And there's there's distinct differences, which I'll talk about in a second. But it's this was something that you needed to kind of help bust that drought. Now, they're still going to be well, well, well below average. But this will aid at least in, in a lot of the, the, the personnel out there and first responders to kind of get those wildfires under control. Some interesting stats about this. Um, this comes straight from Noah's page. So I'm going to read this directly. All right. So just some fun facts about atmospheric rivers. And again, these are not unusual. They're not unique. They don't happen you know, every day. They don't happen every week. In fact, they don't even happen every month. I wouldn't call them rare, um, but they don't, they're not frequent either. Okay. So these are some of the fun facts here that Noah's put out in, in an infographic here. So a strong atmospheric ra uh, river transports an amount of water vapor roughly equivalent to seven and a half to 15 times the average flow of water at the mouth of the Mississippi River. You're thinking about the mouth. It's wide. You get to the mouth down around, you know, just south of New Orleans. Um, it's a wide. That's a lot of water, right? So that shows you how much water is actually going in um, in, in vapor form um, that eventually will then turn into either liquid or frozen precipitation, depending on the temperature. Um, ARs or atmospheric rivers are a primary feature in the entire global water cycle and are tied closely to both water supply and flood risk, particularly in the western United States. Now, on average, about 30 to 50 percent of annual precipitation on the West Coast occurs in just a few AR events and contributes to the water supply and flooding risk. Did you get that number? 30 to 50 percent. So... You know, these are the big, you know, over half, almost a half of the rain that they see in the West Coast comes from these AR events. Um, they can be 250 to 375 miles wide and ARs move with the weather and are present somewhere on the earth on any given time. So there's always something here. Um, 
Now, scientists' improved understandings of AR uh, has come from roughly a decade of scientific study that used observations from satellites, radar, and aircraft, as well as the latest numerical weather models. Uh, there are more studies underway, including a 2015 scientific mission that added data from instruments aboard a NOAA ship, so out in the ocean um, floating around. Uh, I think it's also important to note, too, um, you know, we talk about the bad that, that happened with this, um, specifically this one specific event, but they are also extremely beneficial. They can, you know, they're responsible for, for the large quantity of rain that can produce flooding. And in, in California's instance, because of the wildfires, mudslides, those are the two big concerns with this. Um, but it is beneficial in, um, uh, creating snowpacks. Um, in the higher elevations. Um, a series of atmospheric rivers fueled uh, the strong winter storms um, that hit the U.S. West Coast back in 2010. It produced 11 to 25 inches of rain in certain areas. Those rivers also contribute to a snowpack in the Sierras, which received 75% of its annual snowfall by December 22nd, which was the first full day of winter, by the way. So um, if that was a beneficial thing. They were already... You had a really good start to the winter. So that has its own benefits there and just helping to promote the water cycle. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time with the West Coast, but I think it's also important to note that atmospheric rivers are not only a West Coast thing. Um, we will get systems that are can be classified as atmospheric river. If it's a really strong one, you can get atmospheric rivers from the Pacific Ocean uh, still getting pumped in here into the Midwest. Uh, but more often than not, if we get something that is connected, it's coming from the Gulf. Um, I think if you ever hear us mention... You know, and we use the term the Gulf of Mexico is wide open. You get more of a southerly flow. And we get these kind of in the spring or the summer um, where we'll say the Gulf of Mexico is wide open. That means our humidity is getting higher. You're getting more of a moisture supply and you, you can get some of these systems that will draw in more moisture. But I also think it's worth a note where we may have a greater impact on this is during winter weather. There are essentially two types of winter systems that we get here in the Midwest. Uh, we get what, what we dub as uh, Alberta clippers and what, what I've known to be called as panhandle hooks uh, originating in the panhandle of Texas. Um, the more frequent ones that we get are, are Alberta clippers. They originate from Alberta, Canada, so to our north and west, and they come over land. So there's real no moisture connection with those. They usually, um, it's kind of your really, really cold snow. You don't get a ton of snow out of it. You can if they're not real fast moving, but typically they are fast moving. And then you usually get a punch of really cold air back behind that system. The big snows that we pick up on, um, here in the Midwest. And you can think uh, most recently was uh, last year um, on Valentine's Day when we picked up over 10 inches of snow. That was a true panhandle hook type of storm system where we kind of got on the warm side for a little bit and then 
this system really gathered up some strength and was able to draw a lot of moisture in from the Gulf and was able to we were in the we ended up getting on the cold sector eventually and just at the right time all of that moisture from the gulf um, coincided with the cold air that was rushing in and that's why we ended up getting you know 10 inches plus of snow that day you have to keep in mind you want to get into physics here that um, warm air is able to hold more moisture than cold air does which is why those alberta clippers usually don't contain a ton of moisture now you can get in like i I don't want to get too into the weeds here but you know that's when you start getting in why well why can we still pick up you know five six seven inches of snow with a clipper well that's when you start getting into your snowfall ratios the colder the temperatures get the higher the snowfall ratio goes typically you know it's a if it's 32 degrees or a little bit cooler than that say anywhere between 28 and 32 out your snow ratio is probably going to be around 10 to 1 right so for every one inch of of rainfall or liquid equivalent you get 10 inches of snow well you get these alberta clippers you could be talking about a 15 to 1 ratio or even in extreme cases a 20 to 1 or a 31 ratio Um, because those systems don't hold as much moisture so it doesn't take as much to create the thump of snow there is does it make sense so but that are big big uh, systems where we typically get the heavy wet snow like we had on Valentine's Day in 2020, uh, that would be coming from kind of an atmospheric river event. Okay, so hopefully that made a little bit of sense to you. You need that connection to some sort of water source to help pump in all of that moisture here. And then once it gets cut off, um, you know, you, you don't have that, that supply anymore. All right. So that's the atmospheric river. So that's one part of this story. The other part was bomb cyclone. We've heard about this. This term has been used frequently um, over the last few years, and it usually will pertain to uh, nor'easters. And you'll hear it in different terms. Bomb cyclone, I think, has been kind of the more popular um, term as of late. But um, you might hear it as um, bomb cyclo uh, 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 bomb cyclogenesis, um, where basically what ends up happening is you have an area of low pressure that deepens very quickly. Um, in a in a in a easier term to understand, it's a it's a system that is strengthening rapidly in a 24-hour period now i guess the words both bomb and cyclone are buzzwords but they're not they're not made up terms i think that's the that's the one thing i want to kind of drive home here these are terms that are if you go into if you take a basic meteorology course these are terms that you're going to to learn um cyclogenesis or cyclogenesis however you want to call about it or a bomb cyclone is is a legit thing um it can pertain to systems like what we had on the west coast it can pertain to um hurricanes because i think the thing that you need to keep in mind are um all cyclones are kind of created the same in that um they all spin in the northern hemisphere counterclockwise and if you're kind of picturing, if you're looking overhead, right? And if I was able to draw, I'm trying to do this on an, you know, a non-visual medium here on, you know, 
podcast. But if you're looking overhead and I were to draw you a diagram and, and we show you, you know, areas of low pressure, uh, everything goes counterclockwise and in to that area of low pressure, as opposed to a high pressure where everything goes clockwise and out. Um, low pressures are referred to as cyclones. High pressures are referred to as anticyclones. Okay, they're completely opposite. And that's where you get your fair and settled weather. Hurricanes are exactly the, they are cyclones. They are a system that goes counterclockwise and in, right? It goes in toward the eye. So that's what all these these systems have in common. They all do the same thing. Obviously, hurricanes get stronger in a sense because they're fueled by the warm ocean water and, and, and other factors, too. So what ends up happening, and, and, and we see this probably more often in the winter, and I think that this is why this, this situation was a little bit more unique, was that it happened in October and not in, you know, the middle of winter where you do get some kind of extreme fluctuations. Um, and it's easier for what we would call these things to bomb out. So basically the definition here um, is that these these cyclones um let, let me put it this way first so we measure we measure everything with with pressure here um going back to what i originally said low pressure high pressure right well what does that mean so the typical surface air pressure is about a thousand millibars it's technically it's 10, 10 millibars. Okay. 1,010 millibars. Um, and I know we don't usually use millibars in TV terms. We use, um, inches, barometric pressure, right? You know, we'll say 29.25 inches. Um, but in the weather world, you know, since day one that I got into meteorology classes, everything is measured in millibars because it's not only the pressure that you're, you're going by with storms, but you're also um, talking elevation and the millibars there. That's when we look at our forecast models and we look at the 850 millibar level, the 500 millibar level, the 300 millibar level, and, and so on. Anyway, don't wanna, again, don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but going back to the average millibars, 1010. So typical storms, you know, that we get here, for, case, for instance, the, 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 the storm that we had here in central Indiana Sunday into Monday, typically at like 995 or 990 millibars. Okay. But for us, it, 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 a bomb cyclone isn't ranked by that initial number. Okay. What it is uh, judged by and what will classify it as it bombing out is the term we would use is it has to drop at least or a minimum of 24 millibars in 24 hours. Sometimes we'll use the term it's deepening. The low, the low pressure is deepening, okay? So that's what ended up happening with this system. As it approached land, it got stronger in a hurry. And so that's where you get bomb cyclone. Now, why was that important? So when a storm strengthens this quickly, it's a signal of how much air is being drawn into the storm's spin or the circulation okay and as i mentioned all of that 
not only spins counterclockwise, but it goes inward toward the center and it rises and exits through the top. Okay, if more air is leaving the storm that is sucked inward, the pressure falls even more and the system will continue to grow. So it's basically a machine until something actually cuts that off. Um, it's not. And again, this kind of goes to what I said about atmospheric rivers. They're not rare, but they don't happen frequently either. Okay, that that term is what's called bombogenesis. Um, that's the official meteorological term. That's not a, you know, buzzword um, that the news or weather people have tried to make up to make it sound more fearful or, or whatever. That's a legit meteorological term. Um, and that's how it happens. Now they're most they're 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 more common with nor'easters. Um, I think kind of a prime example of that would be, um, and I, I I cannot stand this term, but it's what it's dubbed as. So I'm going to refer to it as it is Superstorm Sandy. Now that one was a little bit more unique because that originally was a hurricane at one point, and then it weakened to a point that the hurricane center was no longer giving updates on what was Sandy. Okay. And I think that's where sometimes we lose people because they're like, well, why, why do we still call it Sandy if it's no longer a hurricane and what dubbed it a superstorm? Superstorm was no, it was not a, a weather term. Okay, that was something that was ended up being given to this because they could no longer call it Hurricane Sandy. They couldn't call it Tropical Storm Sandy. Basically, what it was, it was it was a post-tropical storm or post-tropical system, Sandy. That doesn't sound nearly as impressive on the news as saying Superstorm Sandy. Okay, so hopefully that makes a little bit sense. But basically what ends up happening on these nor'easters is you'll get this low that will ride up the East Coast. And as it approaches the New England states, um, it bombs out. It will deepen rapidly as it approaches the New England states. And then a lot of times it'll suck down that cold air from Canada. And that's where you get some of the big snows in places like D.C. and Philadelphia and Boston and New York City. That's where the majority of their big snow systems come from. They don't necessarily have to ride up the eastern seaboard. They could be a system that originated, you know, in the plains or through the Midwest, and then they end up bombing out over New England. Same thing, though, and same thing applies. But I think it's also important to note that there is also that moisture connection uh, a lot of times with those. Um, you know, bomb cyclones, if you will, coming into New England, where they may be either connected to the Gulf or uh, depending on where it's riding up, it could be connected to the Atlantic. There's some sort of moisture supply connection uh, or that atmospheric river that we were just talking about. So that's kind of the definition of um, of of the bomb cyclones. Now, what you will also see with those, when you get a deepening area of low pressure like that, just like a hurricane, they become then a very wind-driven machine. And so that was kind of the, the combining factor with this atmospheric river and the bomb cyclone. It wasn't that the bomb cyclone was in itself 
something major, it would have created some issues even if it weren't connected to the moisture. It would have dumped some rain, not nearly as much without the atmospheric river. But I think the big story, if you separate the two, was the bomb cyclone was creating 40 to 60 mile per hour winds. And then in addition to that, it was dumping five to six inches of rain. So if you watch the Sunday night football game um, out in Santa Clara with the Colts and the Niners, you saw it was miserable. I think that second quarter was probably the worst out of all of it, um, where they were kind of in the core of it. And it was just driving rain and it was raining sideways. It was rough. It was really, really tough conditions. So it was the combination of both of those that, you know, made this kind of a, a little more, again, I don't want to say rare, but a unique event that doesn't happen often. You had the combination of both. And so that's why both of those were noteworthy. And you'll hear after the break here that this system will play a role in our forecast uh, later on in the week. We're going to get some rain from this bomb cyclone, omni- atmospheric river, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it will not have nearly the potency that it had Sunday night and Monday uh, out on the West Coast for two reasons. One, you're not going to have this deep area of low pressure holding strong. It's not going to get stronger as it moves over the continental U.S. So it's going to be a weaker system already by the time it reaches us. And two, it's not going to have the connection to water or a water supply to dump a lot of rain. Now, that said, it still has a lot of moisture in the atmosphere. It's not fighting against a lot of dry air to help shred that apart. Um, So we will have those rain chances late in the week, as we typically do. All of our storms, or not all, but majority of our storms originate from the West Coast, right? Everything in the lower 48, for the most part, unless there's a unique circumstance, originates from west to east. And so that's not unique. But what is unique is just this kind of system here. And it is holding strong enough together that we'll get some of that rain um, here. But just kind of some terms that I wanted to bring to your attention. Um, It always seems like once these kind of things hit the mainstream, that it gets used a little bit more frequently. We hear about the polar vortex pretty much every winter now, right? Um, I've heard bomb cyclone over the last couple of winters specifically. And now I think atmospheric river, that might be something that is going to kind of get thrown into it. And I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But, uh, you know, one want to make sure the public is educated. You know, bomb cyclone, you think of cyclone, you think hurricane. Bomb, you're thinking pretty bad. Bomb's not a great word, right? So, you know, unfortunately, it could be used in scaring people because that is the news business, unfortunately. That's the business we're in. It is an attention grabber. You know, um, and I, I, I'm not saying personally that this is right. Uh, If it were up to me, I would have worded things a little bit differently. Maybe if I get into the body of an article, I start using those kind of terms. But in the headline, I'm not saying bomb cyclone impacts millions, you know, without any context, because there needs to be some context here. Um, This is something that is not unusual. 
um, in either both the atmospheric river or the bomb cyclone. But again, get the national media grabbing hold of it. That's what ends up happening, especially when you get people that probably don't know a lot about weather and they they look at these terms and they think, ooh, that looks super um, clickbaity. And so they jump all over it. And that's kind of where we're at there. Again, not terms that are made up. They are real. We're not making those things up. But I think it's important to have the context to what they actually mean before you kind of dive in too deep on, well, is this a rare event or that kind of thing? So hopefully that clarifies um, a little bit on what happened. It is still extremely fascinating. If you're a weather lover, it's an event that was really cool. It was neat to watch unfold on satellite and radar. Hopefully it doesn't create too, too many problems out west um, here over the next day or so. Um, but again, just one of those kind of interesting weather phenomena. If you're a big weather nerd, um, it's something that uh, is cool. And hopefully, you know, um, you know, people get more. I'm all for if, if people want to get more interested in the weather um, and you're using terms like this and that's where it's going to draw them to that. Um, that that's where we're headed. I'm all for that. I think it's, a, you know, more knowledge is 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 a good thing when it comes to weather because look whether whether you are um a science geek like i am or if you're just a casual person it's going to impact you one way or the you know the other it's why weather is such a popular segment in newscasts everybody wants to know what the weather is whether you love weather or not you need to know what you need to wear appropriately for the day if your plans are going to get rained out or snowed out or anything like that so if this is going to draw a little bit more people in to the fold a little bit and educate people then i'm i'm all for it talk about uh, how this uh, bomb cyclone and atmospheric river could impact our forecast here later in the week that's coming up next here on weather weekly hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, here's a look at your forecast here for the last week of October. And boy, has it been a very wet start to uh, this week. Obviously, Sunday, the rain. Monday, we dealt with the rain and then the falling temperatures. And then we kind of dried out for Tuesday and now heading into Wednesday. Uh, lots of sunshine. Got to watch this next system here Thursday and Friday. This Now, this is going to be kind of the remnants of the system we were just talking about that hit California. It's a slow mover across the lower 48. And it will provide rain. Now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be cut off from that moisture that we were talking about, that atmospheric river, so it's not going to be pulling in the moisture that they had in the Pacific. But there's still a lot of moisture to go around. Think of it kind of like tropical systems that we get coming out of the Gulf and we get, you know, some of those tropical downpours when the remnants of maybe a hurricane or a tropical storm impact Texas or Louisiana or Mississippi and kind of right up to the north. 
they end up not as potent maybe as what they were in terms of rainfall. Sure, rainfall, because it doesn't, it's not connected to that water source anymore. Um, and that's how I think that's going to play out here for Thursday and Friday. But we could see another quarter to half an inch of rainfall maybe on the high end of things. So that's just going to tick up the charts here in terms of where we stand for wettest Octobers uh, on record. So that's something worth watching. Uh, heading into the weekend here, it looks like we're going to be relatively quiet for the most part. I do have some shots for rain on Sunday. That's still a ways out. I know trick-or-treating goes on Sunday night. Um, you know, be prepared that there may be some, some showers to dodge. Numbers don't look all that bad. We certainly have had colder Halloweens here in central Indiana. I've got highs near 60, which would, you know, lead to probably low to mid-50s when you're out trick-or-treating. It'll be cool, but not uncomfortably cold uh, for the kiddos there on Sunday night. And then looking ahead uh, to next week, uh, just looking ahead to the Climate Prediction Center's uh, temperature and precip outlook, uh, good shot for slightly below average temperatures over the next six to 10 day period and below average precipitation. That's a good thing after we've been so soggy and the eight to 14 day outlook, which will take us into that first week of November, uh, says below average temperatures and below average precipitation by the way we kind of kick off the month of november averaging highs right around 60 maybe slightly below that into the upper 50s so we may be talking about a little bit more of a chill in the air overall for that first week in november but i don't see anything substantial that's going to be really 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 uh cold here as we get going into uh, the next couple of weeks. The November outlook is out now from the Weather Service. They are calling for above average temperatures for the month and equal chances for above or below average precipitation as we head into the month of November as well. So we will wait and see how that will play out. Thank you so much for spending some time here uh, with us here on the podcast. We always love to hear your feedback on what you'd like to hear. You can shoot me an email anytime, marcus.bailey at wishtv.com. You can also find me on social media, uh, Marcus Bailey Weather on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram. Just search, search at Marcus Bailey. Hope you have a good week. We will talk to you again in November. And while you're here, make sure to check out all the other great podcasts right here on the All Indiana Podcast Network. Discover more. Discover more from Stormtrack Weather and Wish TV. Online at wishtv.com and when you follow Wish TV on Facebook. Plus, be sure to check out more great podcasts from the All Indiana Podcast Network now. Now at allindianapodcastnetwork.com.